there's never been a better time to be a direct-to-consumer brand. Join us as we uncover the strategies and scaling secrets of the world's most disruptive brands and agencies. This is Direct to Consumer by Pilothouse. Hello and welcome to Pilothouse Rocket Seat, the show where we focus on some of the amazing brands and entrepreneurs that we've partnered with at Pilothouse to help scale, scale, scale. So if a diamond is forever, what does it mean for the e-commerce watch company that has set probably close to 10 million diamonds into its designer timepieces already? Today, we are super lucky to have JBW Diamond Watches join us on the rocket seat today with founder Amir Megani and head of marketing, Frank Alfaro. Uh, welcome to Rocket Seat, guys. How are you doing? Good. Thanks so much for having Good. us. Good to be here. Yeah, thanks for what me. an intro. What an intro. Yeah, I mean, yeah, thanks very much. We also have, of course, the Peanut Gallery, uh, Nate Van Canet, uh, our one of our lead media buyers, and our creative director, Cam Wind. Uh, this this has been a long time coming. This is actually our first client, uh, our, our sort of our first client interview that we've done, and I think there's not a better client to be working with than you guys. It's been uh, quite a ride, and we'll talk a little bit about it today. But first, Amir, can you tell us this, the brand story of how JBW Diamond Watches came to be? Yeah. Um... Uh, so my family's been in the watch business uh, since the early 1950s. Um, my grandfather started by just selling watch bands, just the straps of watches in India. Um, and it was kind of like a side hustle. He was a, an accountant at a grocery store. This is like, we're talking about pre-fax machine, pre-everything. Um, so, you know, it's literally going door to door, selling watch straps to uh, shops in India. And then, you know, moved on to getting into watches. And then uh, they decamped from India uh, 16 years later to Dubai in 1968. And they set up like a legitimate watch store selling uh, Japanese made watches to like the working class of uh, Dubai. And this is before Dubai is the Dubai that we know when it was just a desert. Well, it's still a desert, but, you know, really just, um, you know, um, a very different place. But, you know, from 1968 to 1990, him and his brother um, set up about four retail shops there um, and were selling watches. So my dad grew up around watches. He became the distributor for Casio out there. And then after we moved to America in, uh, in 1990, my dad got back into the watch business, uh, having pretty much kind of like a wholesale, semi-wholesale shop in Dallas, buying and selling other brands. And so I kind of grew up around the watch business, right? On the weekends, I'd go to my dad's shop hang out, we'd have lunch. Um, you know, it was just a place that we went through all the time. Um, and uh, after I graduated school in 2006, uh, he kind of asked me to come back and like kind of help him out. Him and his like brother-in-law who were in business together kind of split up and my dad literally opened a shop a couple blocks away um, and started his own watch, watch store. So I kind of came back, got, got thrown into it. Um, and at that time still, he was buying and selling other brands. And um, a year or two into it, I was like, you know, I, I, I don't, I started studying the watch industry and I was like, I want to start our own thing. Like, let's, let's make our own watch brand. Um, and, you know, kind of fearless in that sense as an entrepreneur, just like, oh, let's get right into it. Um, and, uh, and that's what we did. And that's kind of how JBW started. It was like one style. We ordered 300 watches and we just started selling them and they were selling them out of his shop. You know, there used to be like these like local rappers that would come into my dad's shop and be like, 
hey, like, let's like, uh, can you get me this watch? And can you get me that? And I was like, oh yeah, of course I can do it. Um, and so we were just like buying and selling like these brands we were buying out of New York and LA. And then I was like, I just want to start my own thing and start giving you guys my own brand to like go and wear and promote and stuff like that. And it, that's just really how it started. And um, you know, just hustling, getting it onto as many people. And this is like before Facebook, before Instagram, like literally going to concerts, gifting them, taking pictures with a celebrity or an artist. Like that was the hustle to get the name out there. Um, and then, you know, we kind of got really fortunate. We started a partnership with Amazon and that's kind of where I got into e-commerce. Um, and really just learned uh, by, uh, you know, selling directly to Amazon. Like they were one of our first big retail partners. And this was like, before it was like marketplace selling. It was like, we were shipping them watches directly and they were selling them for us. Um, so we had a, that retail partnership and just continued to grow and build more partnerships with retailers. And we, we started as a business to business brand. Like we were not, we had our own website, but it didn't even have e-commerce function. It was literally just to display pricing and branding and people were finding them in other places. Um, and then we, you know, eventually launched our own store, had our own social media channels, but everything, our whole business was focused on serving the need of our retail partners, not of our, our own kind of like retail channel. And that's kind of like, you know, when we, we moved over from Magento uh, to Shopify and started learning a little bit more about doing e-commerce. And I would say that we were late to the game compared to a lot of other brands who may have started right on a Shopify or who may have started with social media marketing. We did it in a very traditional way. And then Frank kind of, Frank joined our team and, you know, learned Shopify and really has been uh, uh, instrumental in taking our brand from literally doing like zero revenue to like we're doing crazy uh, uh, numbers today. And obviously then the, our relationship started and we've really been, um, you know, it's been a great marriage of like us focusing on our brand and then being able to partner with an agency who can help amplify our story and get it out in, in front of the right people um, and really educate us in the process of how direct response marketing really works. And so um, that's kind of like where we are today. Um, and uh, it's been an amazing, I think almost two years with you guys, uh, actually not even, like a year and a half. Yeah, about a year and a half, yeah. Yeah, it feels like so much longer. <laughs> We've done so much in 18 months. Um, yeah. But yeah, we're just like super excited about the partnership. You know, Pilot House is a buzzword all around our office. Everyone knows you guys. And it's like, oh, anything for them, you know, or the ad agencies asking for this. Like, all right, because we're a results-driven organization. And um, I think that that's why we partner really well with you guys. Very cool. Well, let's, let's talk a little bit about that. Like, how did you, how did, how did you find out about Pilot House? And how did we... How do we get on your radar and then how do we close your business? Dave was telling me a little bit about the courting process. Uh, oh, yeah, I mean, it really wasn't, it really wasn't courting. I came to Dave. Um, okay. I have a friend in Dallas, which is where we're headquartered. Um, me and him went out to lunch one day and um, he was telling me about, he's like, oh, you got to like, you know, I've been uh, um, working with this agency um, and it was, uh, it was the guys over at, um, I think their company, they're not in business anymore. It's called Visualize. They're out of San Diego. They're like doing like the athletic partnerships with athletes. But anyways, 
Okay. I guess like you guys were kind of working with them and he told me he's like these guys are awesome. I went and visited them in, in uh, uh, Canada. Like they're a great group of guys, super hungry, and, like they want to grow and they're really different than a lot of the agencies I guess he interviewed in the sense that like he said that you guys were very much about um, working with brands like and the way that the, the agency structure was set up that it was a lot of like it, it was very dependent on like performance um, and which I liked because, you know, we were new to this and like, I didn't just want to like be a part of some agency and just like another like line item, like another brand that they have. I mean, you know, and Dave really like talked me through the process and actually when we first discussed it, he, he didn't even, uh, we didn't even end up going through with it. Like we talked about it in the summer of, uh, of 18 or, yeah, summer yep, of 18. And then we didn't even, we, we, it was like October. Um, and we're like, you know what? I was like, got with Frank. And I'm like, dude, let's just go for it. Like, it's Christmas. Like, it's Q4. Like, it's going to work uh, for to some degree. And like, we got to just get our feet wet in uh, digital, like, marketing. And like, just think about it. Like, 2018 Q, 2018 Q4 is the first time we spent a dollar on Facebook. So like I said, we were late to it, but like, I don't think that matters. I think if you have a good product and like a good partner, like it, you can, you, you can, you know, get your brand out there and have positive performance. But yeah, and that, and that, that was kind of the courting process. I said, no, I went to Dave and then like, I went back to him. I was like, let's just get started. And boom, boom. It was like October to December. We just, we just crushed it. And the rest is history. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. I think that's the story I'm seeing again and again with uh, direct to consumer brands, especially during these challenging times, right? Uh, the, the ones that are positioned with a great product, a great infrastructure, a great team uh, that are able to pivot in the right way to e-commerce. It's, it's almost a bigger opportunity now just because everyone is sort of dependent on, on e-com at this point. Um, yeah. Which is really interesting. So let's talk about results. Let's talk about that first month. Uh, you come on, you meet the team, uh, you know, you get the audit. Actually, I, I, I don't even know if we did audit at this point, if you weren't doing a lot of social before, but just talk about no, that. No audit. Uh, maybe Frank can speak to this a little yeah. bit. I can't remember back to the first month. <laughs> <laughs> Say the question again, sorry. Well, just talk about that first month uh, of working with, with Pilot House and what we, basically what we were able to achieve out of the gate and, 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 uh, and how the relationship worked. Yeah, I think, you know, out of the gate, um, you know, we were pretty much on the same page with Dave, you know, like we understood that we needed to get data before we would actually be seeing those results. So, um, so yeah, like that was just kind of the first three months I would say is, you know, like trying like out different things, different targeting, different audiences, um, really trying to see like harvest that data that we, we needed. Um, and you know, we just, I'm pretty sure like we were pretty successful right off the bat and like seeing some good results. Um, and so, you know, just like growing off of that, like it was like, you know, a, a stepping stone, you know, like once we got Facebook to a good spot, we were like, Hey, let's throw in something else. So we added Google, I think was the next thing that we decided to add. Um, you know, we tried Pinterest and now we're on YouTube. So, um, so yeah, it was, it was a really, you know, interesting process of like, you know, seeing what actually happens, like whenever you throw something in, what's going to stick. Totally. And working, you know, with an agency that, that is iterating all the time to find those angles. I want to just, just talk quickly too about who your customer avatar is, you know, but when the early, in early 2010s, I guess we can say, or the mid 2010s, 
there were a lot of watch companies that came out that were all about minimalist watch design. Uh, and one thing I can tell from JBW Diamond Watches is minimalist isn't, isn't always your market. So when, when we basically like decided about how we were going to start running this campaign, like who is your main customer avatar? Amir maybe, or? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, I think uh, our customer is someone that, um, you know, they are, they're typically like, um, they're, they're a guy that's like into, I'd say for a guy, our, our male customer, like they're into watches um, and it, uh, they're into like luxury watches. Like they, they are, they know the big brand. They, um, you know, they understand, you know, materials. They um, are a little bit, have a little bit more like technical knowledge about watches because, you know, our watches, like on average, like people are spending anywhere between three and $600 on a watch. So, you know, this is probably not their first watch all the time. So it's like, we have diamonds on our watches. So they're very flashy. So guys that are like into making that like bold statement, um, uh, guys that like, like oversized, uh, oversized products. So, um, you know, they, they, they like to shine and they like to like, you know, show off that like, look, like, look at my watch on my wrist. And I think, uh, you know, why we've been able to find some success versus some uh, other brands, like we're just very different in like our approach to our product and like we own it. Um, you know, it's a, it's a niche that like we've built for ourselves. And um, I think that like we're bringing a tremendous amount of value. So like customers still like value driven, um, you know, they're willing to try something new. They don't need to like go to their jewelry store to see the diamond to buy it. Um, so definitely that's, what kind of brings in some of that millennial customer set that's like comfortable buying on e-commerce. They, uh, uh, you know, they can trust brands by reading reviews and things like that. And then also like we're very established, like we're working with the top retailers in the country and they're all carrying our products. So, like that has definitely helped validate um, making that kind of higher average order purchase for a, a watch compared to some of those like kind of like upstart minimalist brands that you're talking about that um, have done really, really well. And I think like they serve a certain set of customer. And then like with our women, um, I think women uh, is really um, girls that are into beauty, they're into fashion. Um, they also like to shine. They like uh, diamonds and glitz on their wrist. Um, there, there are other brands that have kind of been around in that space, but I feel like our designs are just very different. And again, it's still a, a, a girl similar to the guy that wants to do, wants to be something, wants to have something different. Um, but at the same time, like a lot of our women's designs are a little bit more understandable versus like our guy stuff is just very, very unique. Um, so uh, a lot of times we talk about internally, like does the, our guy and our girl even hang? Are they like different? It's still like, we're still learning so much about our male and female um, customer. But what we do know is like they love the diamonds they love the glitz they love like the glam look and like we just keep leaning into that um you know we've launched products that have over 500 diamonds on it uh successfully last year um and the average order of value there is like over uh you know into the thousands so um it just really is really um you know we've been leaning into our customer yeah just to add on to what amir said you know i think the people that we um you know, are targeting that really vibe with us are those people who like to live loudly. You know, it takes a, a really bold person to wear some of the watches uh, that we offer, you know, like they're, they're very flashy, very bold, very unique design. So I think it's someone who appreciates 
that, you know, that, that uniqueness and that individuality, like they want to stand out and really make a statement. Um, so these are, you know, like bold people who, you know, like to have fun, like to travel. Um, and it's also, you know, like I, I would say, um, you know, we've, we, have a, we have a diverse collection. So it's like for those people who, you know, like to collect as well, you know, like Amir was saying, you know, might be their first watch, they might be a collector. Um, so it's, it's a really good price point, I would say as well, you know, it's like, it's a good way to enter the, the um, luxury watch market. Um, so, you know, we don't sacrifice quality, you know, we really try to strive for, you know, craftsmanship and, and customer service. So um, it's a really cool, you know, product in that sense as well as like, you know, it's, it's more attainable for, for people and more people get their hands on it that, you know, have that, that personality and that vibe with us. And if you compare the materials, the technology side by side with these watches, that'll cost you 5,000 or whatever, right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And so anyone who's into the watch, like people buying minimalist watches probably aren't watch people, or maybe they, you know, maybe they have a couple minimalist watches, but like people really want to know about the movement and the settings and, and everything, right? Like your, your, your value is going to stack up so heavily. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Like they're looking at like before they buy maybe their first Rolex, they're buying, you know, like their first diamond Rolex, right? Like they, they might be looking at JBW or like, they're into a lot of these like more luxury watch brands. Like you can get some of that like value and look um, with what we offer at JBW. And then like, then they become like an advocate and like for the brand, because then they start seeing like some of our collections and our designs that like you can even get with luxury watch brands, you know? And that, that's something that we are, so focused on today uh, as we move into the future is like our design on our product. Sorry. And I think a huge factor too with, with JBW's growth has been, you know, introducing this, this new niche of entry level, you know, quality diamond watches. And I think a lot of people buy them maybe for that entry level reason, you know, they're not going to have to spend, you know, three, four grand on a watch but then they end up just buying more JBWs because they like them so much and they're, they're good quality. They see that, you know, just because it's a lot cheaper than these, you know, $5,000 watches, the quality is still there. I think that's, I think what's too. also cool. Like the timing could not be better for JBW. Like just looking at even like the content that your influencers make, like what a time for people to stand out and like what a brand to use to stand out. Like, honestly, like with the emergence of social media and Instagram, like it's such a great, pairing between people who want to make a statement and who want to you know wear a watch that also makes a statement so i think it's just really cool timing yeah very cool okay now let's bridge this into the actual because you know one of the things we love about working uh with jbw is your attention to your content you guys are putting so much investment into your uh, influencer relationships into into the, the content that you're able to make from that talk about 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 that strategy and sort of how we've been able to amplify it is that a Frank question? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, you know, like I think one thing that we've learned as, as we've grown with y'all is that video is huge. Um, you know, like we've done some really cool series like Diamond Talk, um, where Amir kind of goes through and talks about the diamonds. And just, you know, even like influencers, like showing like very like simple, you know, watches on, on their wrists and in, in videos, like it's like, has been able to resonate really well. And I think people like seeing like the diamonds, you know, flash and whatnot and that having that voice too, I think also helps. 
Um, so video strategy has been huge for us when it comes to content. So we've been trying to see like how we can scale that and how we can become more creative with that. Um, and then also, you know, our, our whitelist campaigns has, has definitely been taken off. Um, Mariah, who's um, heads up our, our social, you know, has been like key in that and like bringing in those influencers and then, you know, with y'all's help, getting access to their to their accounts and being able to promote on using their handle has been huge for us as well. Um, so just like, you know, trying to see like how we can take content from influencers and videos and, and trying to like, you know, scale it as much as possible and test as many different things. Yeah. yeah and I think even a level higher than all that would be just, we've collaboratively been able to, you know, pinpoint a bunch of, you know, pain points that somebody might have and reasons why they might not buy a watch. And we've been really good at narrowing in on those and coming up with content that kind of, you know, pushes those, those fears away um, and helps people convert. And we've built that into our retargeting funnel. Um, things like, you know, diamond talk videos with Amir explaining the quality of the diamonds, um, the movements, and then, you know, hitting them with influencer posts, things like that, all that kind of put together um, has, has really been successful. So just kind of, building on content that covers the pain points somebody might have before buying one of these watches, you know, because seeing a diamond watch for $600, people are obviously going to have a lot of questions. So building content and tailoring it towards answering those has been huge. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that um, another thing just from just a brand marketing standpoint is like, we don't outsource any of like our own content creation. Like, the influencer and creator content is really to layer on top of like what value you're getting directly from the brand. Like we shoot our own stuff in house, like as far as like product content, um, photo shoots, like we really want to control that narrative of quality. And I think like people, people don't necessarily like see that directly, but like that is what's happening. And that really um, lives and breeds like next to our own product too. Like, we don't want to sacrifice quality across the board when it comes to our brand, when it's like, you know, product design, product quality, uh, media creation. Like we are so particular about uh, when we put our, put our own imagery out there about our brand. Like this is what you're getting. We understand that this stuff lives, even though it may live for a day on Instagram, it's, it's on the web and it lives on Pinterest and it lives in Google media images. So like we are so, um, we hold ourselves to a pretty high integrity when it comes to our brand content. And then just the influencer stuff is like really layered on top of that. And we're just continuously trying to up our game uh, there so that we can continue to bring like a value to our customers. They buy that watch that first time and let's say they want to resell it on eBay in two years, you know, and like people are looking up the brand, they're looking at images of that style. Like it has like longevity and um, that's really important to us as a company. Nice. Yeah. So like tactically, uh, it all, you know, obviously around the brand, you know, you guys have to maintain, I think it makes perfect sense, obviously that you're putting this much attention into it. Cause you have to, you, you want that premium, uh, that premium vibe and everything you do. I was looking at your influencers, influencer, influencer posts. I saw this one guy with like really flashy, like purple puffy pants. And I thought to myself, like it's, it's out there, but I was impressed with it because it's like you want to stay on the avant-garde. You want these influencers that are pushing the boundaries and trying to be flashy, you know, because you never know who, who that's going to resonate with and how it might influence culture down the line. Uh, it, it's, it's sort of an impressive strategy. Now, this idea of dark posting, 
uh, sorry, uh, white, it's funny. I just did a podcast yesterday where we talked a little bit in depth on, on dark posting, which sounds like a negative version where, you know, where white, white listing sounds like, you know, cleaner for some reason, but it's the same thing. It's essentially just working with influencers to run traffic, uh, through their accounts to, to their audience, as well as the audiences that, that we provide. Uh, like Nate, can we talk a little bit about like how that's helped scale the campaigns? For sure. Um, yeah, like I said, kind of just building out these steps in our retargeting funnel has been huge. So covering pain points and a lot of, a lot of consumers, especially with a brand like JBW, you know, it's flashy. Um, it, it's really important to have, to see other people wearing the product. And when we're able to, you know, show people influencers wearing the product and styling it, um, it's a lot of inspiration for, for buyers, I think. Um, and so it's been super helpful in, in converting people that we've, you know, brought into our funnel from, from other areas. Um, and yeah, we started a, f a few months back, I guess it probably, probably like five months now, eh, Frank? Yeah. Like um, late last year, I think is whenever. We yeah. Were. Yeah. And we, we started with just a few influencers, you know, JBW was already doing um, some influencer collabs. They were getting, getting posts and stuff on Instagram. Um, but we started whitelisting with just a few influencers, saw some good initial results and we've just expanded from there and we've, we're kind of, pumping out new influencers and posts um, almost daily, it seems now. Very cool. I was saying, I just did a, a meeting with an, a, a podcast with a, a jewelry company who has like really streamlined this process of dark posting, whitelisting uh, to the point where they're on a slow month saying they do 40 a month, which is kind of insane, but it shows you how much room there is to scale, right? When it, when it comes to this yeah. tactic. Oh, you're muted there, Amir. 40 creators like live is that what you're saying like in their yeah. whitelisting 40 wow. collab, 40 influencer yeah. post collabs in in a month over they say in november for black friday they're planning 600 oh, wow wow that's where we're headed yeah i think we're, we're running right? at any time Mind now we're bubble. running we're running between you know 10 and 20 influencers at once um some have multiple posts some have just one um but we're also you know moving towards this model now where we're getting permission to run our own content through influencer accounts, which has already been um, proven successful um, as well as, you know, getting influencers to send us content. And then we run it through their, um, through their accounts just so that we're not having to get them to post all the time. You know, that we, they don't want their feed to be too um, promote um, So that's, that's definitely helped a lot with scaling it up. Very cool. One of, one of the things that I wanted to talk about was, you know, uh, a wise man, Muhammad Ali Agel, once said, "He who well, someone, a lot of people said this, but I learned it from uh, Muhammad that uh, he who pays the most for a customer wins." Uh, so obviously, getting AOV uh, up with products is a, a, a hugely important goal. How are some ways that we've been able to get the AOV up for for JBW and and, and really help the scale? Cam, can you speak to that a bit? I can share. I can speak to kind of what we're doing with it, like page testing and, you know, CRO on the back end. Um, so yeah, recently as a, you know, a test to try and increase AOV, what we've done is kind of build out a few pages, whether it's, you know, specific collections or men's collections or discount collections, whatever that may be. We've developed some pages around it and started optimizing uh, pages uh, pilot outside. And what we're seeing is AOV uh, is actually increasing conversion rate, uh, you know, sometimes it may actually decrease, but overall what we're seeing is uh, people buying higher AOV 
page speeds are increasing and, and we have like, quite honestly, we're still really early in the process. There's still lots of optimizations to be done to these pages. So it's really early, exciting success with this stuff. Um, so yeah, what we're doing, uh, you know, with the help of Frank and, and new promos that we're launching on pages, it's really exciting to increase that AOV. Yeah, I think, I think one of the big things, sorry, sorry, Frank, I think one of the big things is we've, we've been working with JBW obviously for like a year and a half now. So we've really figured out which watches sell best. Um, and luckily for us, it's been, you know, these higher ticket items that actually convert best. So we've focused a lot of our ad spend and a lot of our content creation around these key products. Um, and, and so that's helped increase AOV a lot um, over the past year and a half. And that's just yeah. such a good testament to your design ability, you know, that you're, that these watches that you're putting the most materials into the most design, you know, into are the ones that are, that are selling the best as well. That's a real testament to your team. Yeah. Yeah. These, uh, these watches that they, they've been, and Nate, you kind of hit the nail on the head. What I was going to say is, you know, like it's our, our best selling watches. Like that's been super helpful. It's like focusing on that content and these, these two specific ones, um, Phantom and Jet Setter have been cornerstone collections of ours, you know, for, I guess, ever since we started, for my time, definitely. So um, just focusing on that and, um, you know, expanding on what Cam said, you know, these pages, I think, bring a different dimension than what's on our site. So it's been cool to see what Pilot House has kind of mapped out on these new pages, new landing pages. And, you know, like, I'm excited to see, like, how we can further grow these and, like, you know, mold these into, you know, something that, you know, continually it, it evolves, you know, to something, you know, better and better. So that's been cool. Yeah. Let's, let, let's talk about iteration. Like on, on a given week, how many different pieces of creative are we testing? Um, yeah. So we usually do it in waves, like Frank and, and Amir and the team, they have, they have a full content team, which has been super helpful. Um, we have ideas, shoot it over. They smash it out really fast. Um, but they're, they're equally as hungry as us to test. Um, and so they're constantly just like, you know, sending over new creatives. They're doing shoots for, you know, different collections, uh, new influencer collabs. Um, and then we have ideas shooted over to them. Um, so probably twice a week, we're getting, you know, big Google drives full of creatives to test. Um, as well as, you know, on the influencer side, we're getting from, from Mariah and the influencer team. Um, we're getting probably around five posts a week now um, that we're launching some weeks, obviously a little bit slower, some weeks more. Um, but yeah, so it, it's pretty much on a weekly basis, we'll get two big waves of, of branded content that we want to launch, um, you know, anywhere from 10 new creatives to it could be 50 on, on a given day, depending on, you know, what the, uh, what the occasion is. Um, and then in constant influencer collabs as well getting launched. Yeah. And one thing I, I think we really, or I know we really appreciate is that, you know, y'all have been super on top of ROAS. So even though like we're testing new things, you know, I, I think being really in tune with that ROAS and, and making sure that we're, you know, being profitable, it has been super key in, in developing, um, you know, that, that testing strategy. So that's been really good to see. Very cool. For sure. So just at a high level, like what, what have we sort of, I, I, whatever you're comfortable with talking about revenue or whatever, but, but what, what, how many X sort of has, has JBW grown in these two years working with, with Pilot House? What do you guess? Like, that's, that's like, a hard one. I was over, over, over 30. Yeah, well, I was thinking, look at, you know, a couple of years and definitely 10 X is kind of what I saw from like a month, you know, that doesn't include Q4. That was like, you know, a month of 
you know, May or June is what I looked at. So yeah, definitely some big improvements. Yeah. I, I know it's been well, following Nate, like I've been following Nate since this account started basically because I was, I was kind of at the company, even though I wasn't. And just, I, I can't, it seems like just such a rewarding account to work on uh, when you have such a good collaboration. I know you guys actually, you flew down to Dallas as well. Uh, was that, was yeah, that yeah. I, heard, I heard there may have been a foosball game involved. <laughs> yeah, I think we, we might have actually baggled these two. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. I but yeah, we went down. We went I down still don't in, know uh, what you're September. saying. I, I still feel like it's, you're saying bagel. I still don't know what it really is. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've got to come to our offices and you'll see the giant board that we have, uh, have written there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we, we flew down, I guess that was September 2019, um, for a Q4 planning session. It was super helpful to kind of meet the team and actually get some hands-on time going through, you know, accounts and, and creatives and preparation um, and just kind of seeing how they work together and how their teams all laid out super super helpful nice and then just at a high level how you know one of the, when this whole thing started two and a half months ago now uh the covid thing i you know did, did a survey of the accounts and i had no idea how things were gonna gonna shake out and we you know think thing it's an evolving situation but I, I looked at luxury watches and i thought okay that could be a category that takes a hit uh given that people aren't don't have as many places to shine these days like where where are we flashing our our watches at this point, but it's, it's been, an, it's been an amazingly strong campaign. What, what are your, what are your thoughts around that given the current situation? Yeah. You know, it's funny. I actually came across an article. I don't remember where I read it, but it was saying um, accessories and apparel were down 50%. Um, and, you know, we, we were really worried, you know, we were concerned about a dip when this whole thing kind of started playing out. Um, but as, as y'all know, like results have been stellar. Um, it's like, it was quite the opposite of what we were expecting. Um, so, so yeah, I think it was just a matter of being quick to react um, on our site and on our ads. And, and um, I think Pilot House, like y'all have done a great job of like being able to um, understand like the current state of the ad market, you know, like how bids are working out and like how we can really um, jump on opportunities. So I think like that's been, that's been huge to our success um, in the, in, in, during this whole crazy time. Yeah, I think we, we were actually supposed to fly down there, what, in, in April at some point, right? We were going to have another, another uh, in-person meeting, which unfortunately got canceled due to everything. Uh, but yeah, we, we have definitely seen, obviously there's been lower CPMs and stuff on Facebook and, you know, JBW's always been, and their team's always been super, keen on you know scaling as fast as we can when we're seeing opportunity um and we saw that opportunity um early days during this whole covid thing um and we're able to just you know push the gas and they've never had you know any payment issues um it's always always on the ball on that kind of stuff um so it's it's really been been helpful just being able to push the gas hard without anything you know stopping us when we see these little opportunities very cool. Amir, what's your goal with JBW Diamond Watches? Like what I know, like obviously there's, there's room to grow, you know, together. There's, you know, you guys have massive room to grow still. Uh, what, what, like what's your ultimate goal with JBW Diamond Watches? Um, you know, I think uh, our goal is really to, um, you know, solidify as like a diamond luxury watch brand. Like, you know, when you think of, um, and I'm talking like, you know, top five, top five like independent watch companies in the u.s like i mean we've we've set that goal last year of like that's where we want to be um and you know the top five is just more of like it's just about breaking into that area because you know 
we, I, I believe we have something that um, other brands like definitely can't recreate. And I'm not saying like, that's like a challenge. I just think that like, there's a, there's like innate DNA of like how this brand started, the, the experience and what it's taken us to, to literally set over 10 million diamonds on watches and become craftsmen, build that value chain and expertise in technology and being able to do that well and bring it to the market. Um, you know, those are like that history and time that we've spent in developing a brand and focusing on our products is now about now just like really taking these products to the market, getting them into more customers' hands, and then building that like advocate and that collector. You know, our brand is like, you know, you think of like a watch brand, like, oh, like I'll buy one from this brand, I'll buy one from that brand. Our customers are coming back and they're, they're obsessing over certain collections and then setting their eyes on the next one. And I think that like, there's just so much value that we can bring uh, to the customer's, uh, uh, you know, lifestyle when it comes around accessorizing for men and for women. And, you know, we're always constantly thinking about that. And, um, you know, we're judging ourselves not against our competition, against ourselves all the time. And so, you know, we're kind of like in our own little, little, little zone, like a lot of like, you know, luxury and fashion brands are typically in New York and LA when you're thinking about the US, but, you know, we're sitting in Dallas and, um, you know, so focused on delivering value and not getting caught up in some of the things that we couldn't be caught up in if we're in like the big city with all the other brands. So, um, you know, focusing on that and focusing on our craft and focusing on watches. Like we don't want to get into jewelry. We don't want to get into anything else. We want to be a watch company. When people think of JBW, they need to think of watches. And, you know, that's, you know, some of like our longer term ambition and uh, uh, no doubt that we're going to get there. Amazing. Yeah, I believe it too. Now, then on the ad side, what are, not to put the heat on, but like, what are, what are the next plans to get to that next plateau to, to really raise things up? Is it more collabs, bigger collabs? What does that look like? I don't know, Frank? Um, I think, you know, it kind of all comes down to, you know, building content. And like you said, you know, like bigger and, you know, more recognizable people. Um, who's your you know, goal? Who'd be, who'd be your ultimate? If you could like, I, I always thought Kevin Hart would be really good for you guys. Who would be yeah. the ultimate influencer for you guys? Kevin Hart's a good one. Um, We've actually used him in some of our mood boards for, for photo shoots. Yeah. Cause he's really accessible. He's like, he's the, one of the biggest celebrities in the world, but he's also super accessible. And I think he'd be like down to earth about, you know, I, I don't know. That's, that, that was my thinking with him. No, you're yeah. on the same page. Yeah. Nice. That's to awesome. him, um, I think on the women's side, like, I don't know, Kylie, um, she really represents kind of like that, the boss mom, but like the young, um, you know, um, you know, she is like the ultimate influencer in my mind. Um, Definitely. And very relatable, I think, too, with like something as simple as she does and like everyone gets behind it. Um, but yeah, like, I mean... Um, I don't know. Like so those, both of those are like really, really great names, uh, obviously, uh, to break into. Um, but I, I think that we can get there, and um, and I think it can be like authentic too, because like I said, it comes back down to the product and our brand. And I feel like, you know, we're one of our biggest like uh, focuses this year is really um, up upgrading, not upgrading, but like really evolving our content, and um, you know the uh, narrowing down like our product collection 
And like, once we can focus on those things and like bring that, that value. Um, and then, you know, that next step is getting it in the right people's hands and getting the right uh, 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 influential individuals, like authentically represent our brand. Um, and I think it's, we're, we're on our path there and we're not in a rush, you know, we're trying to do it step by step. Yeah, I think Amir brought up a good point. There's a lot of like foundational things that we're relooking at this year, you know, whether it's our um, client services department, like beefing that up to like be more accessible and be more, you know, like going above and beyond for our customers. Because I think that's definitely like a key thing whenever people are looking at looking at luxury, you know, items is like, am I going to have the support I need for, for what I'm paying? So um, building up that and then also, you know, our, our site is like, you know, it's become a huge, you know, primary channel of like where we sell our watches now. So it's looking at our site internally and seeing, you know, how can we make um, our, our site convert better, um, whether that's, you know, different, you know, testing different designs or adding new functionalities, you know, being on Shopify allows us to really um, expand and like test, you know, new and um, different, you know, apps and whatnot. So I think, you know, those foundational things too, in addition to product are, are some of the things that could help us, you know, even further our ad success. Awesome. If anyone and, in the audience who's listening and, and, to this and knows one more thing, Hurt, like, make sure. Oh yeah. Send them our way. Comment, let Eric know who's yeah, the manager. Um, <laughs> but no, and I think like we're, there's a couple of like um, things we have in our, um, in our back pocket that we're working on for the second half of this year. I don't want to say too much, but like, some top secret like um, <laughs> things that like products wise that we're working on that are going to be a first in the watch industry and a first in price point that we're bringing. Um, and I think that all then that, 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 you know, that again, comes back to that value that we're providing and creating for our customers. Um, and like, I just like keep, keep watching the brand and follow and see what we're up to because we're going to be doing, some things that are, aren't being done and i think that's part of like not being the same as every other brand or every other brand in the fashion space um that that, that comes down to innovation too and those are things that we, we're always working on very cool now, definitely some exciting things coming but eric to, to answer yeah. your uh question i think our overall you know paid social goal is 10x again all right, let's go. With you. Let's go. Let's up and go. I'll say our audience, we have thousands of like high level marketers and a lot of them like to like to be flashy as well. So it might you might un, with this podcast you might uncover a sub niche of of global <laughs> you know jet setting marketers. Eventually we'll get back to going to conferences and stuff and we're all going to want a JBW timepiece to just let's like go. Know what's up. Let's go. That's the main goal. Okay, awesome. All right, well, let's end this in the traditional way of like looking at our cameras and making YouTube faces for the screenshot. One, two, okay. three. <laughs> okay, that's kind of weird. I, I don't, I don't, I gotta refine that process. But uh, thanks so much for coming on today, Amir and Frank. And uh, I really look forward to the time where we can, uh, you know, meet in person at some point, even sh go as far as shaking hands. Yeah, yeah, we definitely want to make it up there. I, I love um, Victoria. Yeah, that'd be awesome. You guys we'll should have a big in person. Yeah. Zing. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, thanks, guys. Awesome. Thanks for the amazing. Thanks for the, like, right. yeah, what an amazing client relationship. Thanks for taking the time. So the, one, the, the last thing I would say is, you know, people who are making these interviews are, are being open about the strategies and tactics that are working for them. We, we really appreciate that. And, and I think you hit the nail on the head 
Amir, when, when you were just talking about the moat that you've built, like, and I didn't even realize that this is a generational thing for you, that this is like this whole yeah. family history of like these high quality timepieces. I came from a world with e-com where we were dealing with a lot of drop shippers, a lot of people just sort of like, you know, grabbing products, finding something that works. But when you have as much attention and as much history into a product as you guys have, it really is about just applying that rocket fuel to it because your foundations are so strong. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think that, that that's where like the competitive advantage has come into play. And like today, anyone can start a brand, anyone can go and market um, their products and, you know, do drop ship things and things like that. But like, we're, we're trying to bring a whole nother value set to the customer than that. Nice. All right. Well, thanks again, guys. And uh, we'll see you soon. Let's, let's just keep scaling. Let's 10 exit again. Yeah, let's go. Oh, 10X. Oh, yeah. Let's do it. Awesome. <laughs> thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Right, later. Bye, guys.